Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to the Grizzlies podcast. Now available on iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jason Munns. I am a digital producer for the Commercial Appeal, and welcome to this week's Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I am joined by our Memphis Grizzlies beat writer, David Cobb, this week, and we have a lot to talk about, do we not, David? It's really surreal, Jason, looking down here at the Thursday edition of the Commercial Appeal Sports section, and they've packaged a couple of stories that I've written uh, uh, on top of a picture of Mike Conley and Mark Gasol with the headline, Changes Ahead, question mark. And uh, you knew that this couldn't go on forever, but it will be a, a travesty, I think, to see it end like it appears it may be ending right now. That's a strong That's a strong take there, travesty. That's that's a strong take, but uh, yeah, to set up to set the scene, when David says he is actually looking at a physical copy of the paper, he is. He is. We are in the uh, palatial podcasting studios uh, here at four ninety five Union, and uh, and he is looking longingly, almost uh, uh, almost uh, melancholic expression. On, on your face. Well, let me take my beat writer hat off for a second. Please do. T- toss it aside, Jason. I'll catch it. Okay. Yeah, you got it? Got it. Okay. So when you think about Mike Conley and Marcus Saul, and you think about the Memphis Grizzlies, and right now the talk is all primarily about basketball. I, I know that there are fans out there sharing uh, sentimental thoughts and memories about the two, but right now a lot of the discussion in forums such as these is, is hinging upon and centering around potential trade destinations for Conley and Gasol and what the Grizzlies could get back and uh, what the rebuild is going to look like. And Mark Giannato wrote a fantastic column addressing Robert Para, the team owner. And, you know, there's a a place for all that and and all that's important. And I'm certainly contributing to that conversation as well. But when you think about Mike Conley and Mark Gasol as Memphis Grizzlies, I think we'd be remiss not to highlight what they have meant to the city as a whole. Because these guys have been around for a little over a decade. They came in on the heels of an economic recession that hit this city pretty hard. They came in at a time when the Grizzlies were still kind of trying to find their direction as an NBA franchise in this city. And they took the Grizzlies, along with Zach Randolph and Tony Allen, to seven consecutive playoff appearances. And over the course of that time, there was a lot of pride that people developed in the city of Memphis um, and I'm not saying that Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol were responsible directly for all of it, but what they did with the Grizzlies contributed quite a bit uh, to the sort of feeling of, of pride and uh, just general sort of uh, sense of place, I think, that a lot of people have here uh, in Memphis and that they associate with the Grizzlies. 
Absolutely. Uh, and we're going to talk, we're probably going to go back and revisit a number of the things that you just brought up, but, um, and, and we just sort of jumped right into this cause it feels like that's, it feels like everybody, this is common. All this is just common knowledge now to everybody. Uh, the, even the, the most casual of listeners. So, uh, we're going to keep the train rolling without going back to set anything up other than to say that what it was Tuesday this today is Thursday and it's right at about two o'clock Thursday afternoon. And it was about 48 hours ago, roughly, uh, where ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, um, reported that Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, um, lifelong Grizzlies are now being, I guess, shopped around there on the trading block. Right. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And and that in and of itself, I don't think is shocking to anybody. Have they ever been on the trading block before in any form or fashion? There was a Grizzlies front office member hanging out before shoot around uh, before Wednesday's or before Wednesday's game on shoot around of Wednesday morning before they played the Hornets, uh, who came by and casually remarked to a few of us waiting for a shoot around to end that we used to always shut down trade advances on these two before they reached first base mm-hmm. and now here they are openly soliciting yeah. trade offers for two guys who went out against the hornets on wednesday night and combined for 53 points and marcus all had a triple double and uh you know so it, it's it's kind of wild in, in that sense uh because no to answer your question they never did i think mike conley has referenced a couple of times now um, when he was very early in his career that they shopped him a little bit and there was a possibility that he might get traded. Because if you remember, they also had another really good young point guard in, in Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. who's gone on to have a really nice career. And so Conley's name was in trade talks then, but that's that's been a decade. That's right. been a decade now. So for the for the last 10 years, no. Mm-hmm. Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol, they've shut down advances on those two guys. And uh, so to be in this position is one thing. Uh, you know, you always sort of think in the back of your mind that, you know, in the era we live in, look, Tony Parker was here with a Charlotte uni- uh, Hornets uniform on the other night. Guys don't always end their their professional sports careers with the franchise they begin them with. That's right. just the way things work. But you don't necessarily think about two icons such as these uh, leaving via the trade market as everything is spiraling out of control with a, a franchise that they, frankly, they built. Uh, so I think that's sort of what makes this surreal. Yeah, that and the fact that you got you know an announced crowd of twelve thousand five hundred there last night for what? Who knows? Could have been their last game. I mean, looking looking more like they'll make it through the weekend, and 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 who knows if they'll even get dealt by the deadline? But this could be the farewell tour, and and it's a very underwhelming one at this point. Yeah, it really is. It's almost kind of I don't know. I mean, not disappointing, but it's um, it's just one of those things that it's like you wish. You know, you, you, everybody wants to, wants the, the, the high note at the end. Everybody wants to go out on a high note, um, however, wherever they're going out of. And, uh, it just doesn't feel like, you know, even if everything goes right, perfect, you know, perfect that, that, you know, things are going to improve much from what they are. It just feels, I don't know. It just feels like kind of a, 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 a thing that people are going to, you know, everybody's obviously going to look back and, and ignore this part of it. Uh, you know, if, I mean, and, and we're talking about this as though it's a certainty, right? That they're going to get traded. I mean, it, it's not right. It's not, is it? 
it's not no it's not a certainty in fact you know i've laid out this these scenarios in, in thursday's paper and online where you know they can keep the status quo and they're, they're open to that you know it's not a done deal they're not absolutely going to take you know just anything for these guys um you know and and as you hopefully the microphone can hear me crinkling the pages of the printed newspaper yeah here. yeah as you open up the paper i mean i've got some feel the ambiance <laughs> I've got some scenarios laid out where they can keep the status quo with these guys, and there's still potentially a positive outcome or a relatively positive outcome in that scenario, given where the franchise is. I mean, we're not talking about them making the Western Conference Finals next year, but you know, in the luckiest of all scenarios, if you're a just love Mike and Mark and don't want to see them go, the luckiest of all scenarios is that somehow they end up with a very high draft pick this summer which is not out of the question and it's a guy that they feel like can come in and contribute immediately and help them win immediately and you uh re-sign Marcus Saul potentially to a a three-year 30-something million dollar contract that opens up some cap space you get a decent offensively oriented free agent in here you pair him with uh the the rookie maybe Zion Williamson uh, uh Jaron Jackson who's another year older and uh, you you say, hey, maybe we can make a, a another push for the playoffs with these guys, uh, you know. But that's hinging upon them getting a really high draft pick and not moving anybody really any important pieces before the the deadline this year. So very hypothetical, but there is at least a scenario out there where you know they could maybe move forward with these guys. Give me the odds. I mean, like how how far fetched or close fetched would that? would that scenario be i mean if you're banking on on zion being that guy not necessarily him not even just taking him that part out of it being that uh having that high of a draft pick but i mean keeping him and you know moving forward that way well i mean if you really boil it down there's no way to know what robert pear is thinking but in my opinion there there is some merit to waiting until you know where you're picking in the draft before you do something so drastic as trading Mike Conley and Marcus Saul, because if you do get a really favorable draft position, you pick a guy who can contribute right away. Why not give it one more shot? Because uh, you really, who's to say that you couldn't make a playoff push next year if those scenarios I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, unfolded? It's um, you know, there's no guarantees there, but at the very least, they could convey that pick to Boston next season. So uh, the likelihood of it, though, is, is slim because this this would bank on them getting a good draft pick, and uh, it's going to be hard, even as bad as they are right now, Jason. It's going to be hard for them to catch the teams that are ahead of them in the tank race right now. Yeah, I mean, catch people up on on you know where that is what they are if the season ended today right they would have the sixth worst if i'm not mistaken or right which about is that. In- incredibly undesirable because this is not regarded as a deep draft right but last year's draft was a deep draft there were good players mm-hmm. you know the grizzlies drafted jaron jackson jr at four and made a good decision with that pick but there were players that went as low as eighth or ninth that yeah. they were that they were considering who were viewed by some as being just as good mm-hmm. Uh, this year's draft is it does not shape up that favorably. So right now, as it stands, the Grizzlies are nineteen and twenty nine, the Phoenix Suns are eleven and thirty eight, the Cleveland Cavaliers are nine and forty, the New York Knicks ten and thirty six, Chicago Bulls eleven and thirty seven, Atlanta Hawks 
15 and 32. So there are five teams that are have worse records than the Grizzlies right now. And they've got way worse records. Like the closest to them is four games, but you know. Yeah, the Hawks are trending up a little bit. Yeah, that's true. They're one four out of the last 10, which for a bad team is a relatively good spurt. So, you know, maybe they could catch the Hawks like in reverse, them, right? Yeah. Uh but then you're still, you know, at fifth potentially. Yeah. Uh so it's hard to see the Knicks or the Cavs or the Suns really improving enough to make it plausible for the Grizzlies to pass them in reverse. Gotcha. So really where the Grizzlies would like to be ideally I think is ninth, which would require them to get a little bit better over yeah. the, the the season's last couple of months, which looks highly unlikely right now, but even if, if they trade you know, even if they keep or trade, no matter what they do, it seems unlikely that they're gonna that they're going to improve that much. You would think that with Mike Conley and Marcus Saul in hand, that these guys would find a way to win some games. <laughs> you would think, but then, as we discussed earlier, they put up fifty plus between the two of them, and you know, hosting the Hornets, and they still got beat by double digits. And and that's what makes this so sad. And and I think that's where it kind of circles back to the front office a little bit mm-hmm. because and Robert Para, who also had a hand in the acquisitions they made this summer yep. and in propping up this narrative that this group would be a legitimate, you know, contender. And it just so happens that the supporting cast they positioned around Mike Conley and Marcus All did enough early on. Shelvin Mack started the season on a tear. Garrett Temple started the season on a tear. Dylan Brooks started the season healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were getting contributions, you know, depending on the night from Marshawn Brooks and Omri Caspi That's and true. Wayne Selden and so on and so forth. And now a lot of those pieces are either gone or they've regressed to the mean or they're injured. And the supporting cast that maybe at its best could fulfill that vision the front office had for it has just been way too fragile to carry out that mission throughout an 82 game season. How much of this is just I don't know this is just me kind of a different tangent here but how much of their struggles over the past few weeks can be attributed to how hard they had to play for the first month of the season to to even I mean it's like yeah they started 12 and 5 but they had to they were in dog fights every single night you know coming from behind having to keep other teams from coming from behind I mean, it was it was a dogfight. They were having to give their, you know, they were they were at a ten effort wise every single night. Yeah, you think about that night when they went to twelve and five in San Antonio. They beat the Spurs on a crazy controversial call at the buzzer. I mean, that was a knockdown, drag out affair in November. Right, and those were commonplace for these Grizzlies early on. And Jason, I do think it took a toll. Just on caught him. up with them, right? Absolutely, because you're thinking about. A Mark Gasol who turns 34 in a, in a week or two, you know, and he's out there chasing around players in yeah. some cases five, ten years younger than him uh, for playing exp- extended minutes each night, you know. And then Mike Conley too. Earlier on, he wouldn't say this now because it wouldn't go over as well. But earlier on, when they were having success and everything looked like it was going pretty well, he admitted that that when JB Bickerstaff presented them with the idea of playing this grit and grind defensive first mentality this off season, he sort of thought to himself, "Well, I, I don't know. I'm kind of ready for this new NBA." You know, because the new NBA doesn't require the sort of defensive intensity and all-out uh, 
100, 110% commitment, right. you know, at, at all junctures. Um, and what the Grizzlies are asking of their team does, and just given the uh, the overall status of the roster, it's proved to be unsustainable. I mean, look, the Hornets went off on them last, <laughs> last night. I mean, the Grizzlies' offense wasn't the problem the other night, but their defense... It wasn't up to the level that it was back when they were, right. you know, starting atop the Western Conference standings. So speaking, perfect segue, by the way, that was that was top notch segue work by yourself there. It was almost like we don't have a script in front of us. Uh, so it's 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 almost like David was reading my mind. It was where I was going to go next. Uh, so thank you for that, David. You're welcome. Take a bow. Um, so. You were there last night at FedEx Forum for the Hornets-Grizzlies game, uh, and you talked to both Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol afterwards. Uh, you wrote about it, but for those for those who might not have read or or you know perused your work, uh, give give everybody a sense of of where and and you just left practice too, right? Uh, yeah, actually, we'll note this. Read into it as you may. Marcus Saul was out of the practice gym by the time they opened it up to the media today. So your first thought is automatically, "Oh wow, are, is there, is a deal imminent that required him to leave the practice?" You have court? to think that, yeah. Well, you look up in the corner and at least you, consider it. You see a couple of the prominent front office people just standing there overlooking the practice court. They're not, you know, they would be uh, on multiple cell phones yeah. at one time. Were they in the midst of dealing, you know, uh, a player of that magnitude? So. Uh, I think it was probably more likely today that he was receiving treatment. But but to your point, uh, over the last couple of days, we have had the chance to talk with Mark Gasol and Mike Conley. And this won't shock you, but Mike Conley has been level-headed and steady about it. Mark Gasol has been a little bit more emotional uh, about it. But you understand it because Mark Gasol grew up here. He, he went to high school here. You know, maybe a stretch to say he grew up here, but he went to high school here. Yeah. He watched his brother uh, lay the foundation for this franchise, mm-hmm. and it's the only NBA franchise that he's ever known. Uh, he, he's got a home here. His kids are, are being raised here. He is intensely loyal to this community. He's taken up causes in this community, and in his mind, there's an avenue in which he can finish his career with this franchise that means so much to him. And uh, he started down the hallway after Tuesday's shoot around before somebody kind of yelled that, that that carries a negative connotation, but just sort of like shouted towards him in a in a, in a courteous manner. Mm-hmm. Marker, do you want to interview now? Because he's going to have to do it at some point. He's yeah. going to have to talk. And so he, he kind of you could tell he didn't want to, but he knew he needed to. So he turns around and he comes back and, you know, he was kind of defiant at first. But uh, uh, then he. He kind of opened up a little bit when somebody asked him about uh, what this, how this makes him feel, given what the city of Memphis and the franchise means to him, and got a little emotional there. Uh, and now I, I think it's in a situation where it's just going to be this sort of lingering thing because Mike and Mark have both addressed it now, but the deadline is still. I mean, what's this is we're recording this on January twenty fourth. The deadline is still two weeks away. Two right? weeks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and unless a deal is done pretty soon, this is something that's going to keep coming up, especially as this homestand comes to a close next week. They're going to go on the road. Well, every visiting media contingent is going to want to ask about it too, and they're going to have to answer all these questions anew. Uh, so in that regard, it's it's really peculiar. Um, 
that this has been so publicly uh, disseminated, the interest in, in trading these guys, because they've addressed it. I think they've addressed it to the best of their abilities with with uh, as much candor as you can expect. But those questions are going to keep coming back, and, and that's sort of just a peculiar situation for them to be in. All right. So now, assuming that this goes the way everybody assumes it will, and this is the last season that Mike and Mark are together in Memphis. I mean, is there a scenario where one of them gets traded and the other one doesn't? It'd be really strange. I mean, I, I, I just see that being really hard on Mark in particular. Yeah. Because he just, you know, well, we know last year was hard on him when Mike Conley was out. Yeah. But there was at least, at least he was still around. Sure. Um, you know, Mark doesn't know an NBA locker room not involving somebody that he refers to as a brother. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I, yes, there's a scenario because the likelihood of them trading both guys to the same team, it's not impossible, but I wouldn't say it's probable. Right. So that they are going to get split up and, mm-hmm. and most likely, you know, if this goes through, if they trade them both. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the possibility that a trade could go on off for one of them now and that a trade could go off for the other one in the offseason, that's that is a possibility. So if it happens and and you've also written about this, but. Say let's just say it happens. Um, what is the best case scenario in terms of return for the Grizzlies? Well, I mean, just off the top of your head, uh, it, what is, in your opinion, what's the best case scenario? And then I would say we also have to to look at the worst case scenario in terms of, like I said, in terms of return. You know, I think the Grizzlies would take James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo okay. in return. That's a, that's a good best case. <laughs> That's good best case. Okay, most realistic best case. Uh, yeah. Scenario. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think you you want one quality asset in return for each. And what I mean by that is either a young player with some level of promise. So for instance, in a hypothetical trade with Dallas that uh, others have tossed out there, you would get Dennis Smith Jr. back. He's a second-year point guard who was a lottery pick who's a little erratic, but has shown signs of, of being a quality NBA player. So you would either want a guy like that uh, or a first-round draft pick for each guy, mm-hmm. for, for Conley Angus also. So two quality assets in return for those two guys. Uh, because back in 08, when they traded Pau Gasol to the Lakers, they got two first-round picks in Mark Gasol in return, but Powell was 27. Uh, that's a totally different scenario with these two guys that the right. Grizzlies are talking about trading right now. Mark they're, is 34, did you say, almost 34, mm-hmm. and Mike is 31. Right? And they're both on huge contracts. Yeah. So that makes it hard. You're going to probably have to take back some dead money in return. Now, if you're the Grizzlies, I would be real hesitant about taking back any dead money that goes beyond next season. Uh, because if you're taking on a bad contract that continues on for another two or three years, you're you're just you're handicapping yourself and why would you rather have that dead money on the payroll than you know the money for a guy like Conley or Gasol so I I would say that you know they might have to take on some dead money but they need to be careful about how much and how long uh, that dead money is on the roster so so the best case scenario if if you get rid of Conley and Gasol before the February 7th trade deadline is you get a couple of quality young assets let's call them first round draft picks you get two first round draft picks for 2020 uh, in return, and then you you're clearing some cap space by that 2020 season as well, you know, and then you can kind of build around Jaron. You're probably going to get a good draft pick this year, 
yeah, you know, maybe, maybe well, they're definitely going to be bad next year in this scenario. But maybe that that following season, so two years from now, maybe we're sitting here looking at a at a young core that you know, led by Jaron Jackson Jr. and Kyle Anderson and some phenom that they get in the draft this summer. Maybe this young core is starting to figure it out and pushing, you know, somebody for a, a, a playoff berth, kind of like the Mavericks are this year with Luka, uh, you know, or something like that. Well, I guess, I mean, is it fun being the beat writer right now? Like, is this a good time? I mean, I, you know, Jason, I'm kind of tough question for you to. Answer. I'm I'm kind of wondering if the trade deadline applies to beat writers too, because <laughs> my old beat has the number one men's basketball team in the country right now. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you know, if my rights were traded to the Knoxville New Sentinel right now, um, in exchange for cash considerations, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm saying it's part of the business. I mean, is it is it is it? Um at least it's giving you plenty to i mean this is not boring yes no in all seriousness it is it's it's not boring at all in fact i told my wife the other day i was like honey this is kind of going to be like the tennessee football coaching search was last winter um until the february 7th trade deadline mm-hmm. and and what i mean by that is um i've got i'm always looking at my phone I'm always refreshing Twitter. I'm always texting somebody or, or you know, just keeping my ear to the ground. You never really relax. You wake up in the middle of the night and, and you, you got to check your phone. It's it's sort of the world we live in. But You got alerts, com- probably 150 uh, uh, alert, yes. uh, you know, accounts that you're, you got alerts coming from. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the unfortunate reality. But, it, but it's, it's for somebody who's from this city who grew up reading this paper and watching this team – it's 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 very fulfilling, I guess, for me to be you know looking down at a at a front page of the sports section, you know, that has such monumental, uh, that is documenting such monumental times, you know, in the franchise and the only professional sports franchise in the city, you know, major major speaking. And, right. Uh, so so it's cool. I'm appreciative of it. Good. Well, uh, hopefully, before we get this podcast produced and published. Uh, no news will have, yeah, ho- hopefully nothing happens between now and then that, that negates this. Uh, what was the news that happened that the last one we dropped and then they traded, um, they traded Wayne Selden and right. March on Brooks. March on Brooks. Yeah, yeah. And for Justin Holiday. I mean, just like three hours maybe had passed. And, uh, so that was fun, but, uh, that's the, the world we live in nowadays. And so we just have to accept it, I guess, uh. Journalist, journalist probs, I guess, is how we should. It's a never-ending cycle. It is. It is. <laughs> it really is. Um, so, so good. So continue to uh, check uh, as David continues to check Twitter and his email inbox and his text messages and and that sort of thing. You guys continue to check commercialappeal.com. Continue to check David David Cobb's Twitter account. Uh, he's got his finger on the pulse of, of the entire, uh, organization right now and, and doing fine work, uh, in, in covering this very, very, very interesting time, um, in Memphis Grizzlies history. So, uh, we appreciate you guys for joining us and we will, I'm sure have a lot as much or more to talk about. Oh, wait, looking at my cell phone here, guys. 
You won't believe this. This is true. No, there's not. That's not. Oh my god. <laughs> he actually got me. I mean, were you just kidding? No, yeah. I mean, it was like you said, I've got 150 accounts that blur every time they somebody tweets. So like, you know, so three quarters was- of the time it's nothing. <laughs> you know, where it's like some, you know, some national NBA reporter tweeting about a team that's irrelevant to right. me. False alarm. Yeah. Well, okay. So on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, again, commercialappeal.com. Follow David on Twitter. Uh, throw your handle out there. David W. Cobb. Okay, good deal. And uh, and at Memphis News is our Commercial Appeal Twitter account. So that's where you'll find all the latest and most up-to-date information. Um, again, we appreciate you guys for joining us, and uh, we'll we'll do this again real soon, I'm sure.